Good morning. This is Jim Colburn of Commodity Research Group. I'm here with Andy LeBeau, also of Commodity Research Group, and we're here to talk about energy markets. To learn more about us, you can check out our website, commodityresearchgroup.com, where we post our podcasts and blog. We would like to thank our friends at EKT Interactive Oil and Gas Training for hosting this podcast. Check out their newsletters, podcasts, and learning modules at ektinteractive.com. This podcast should be construed as market commentary, merely observing economic, political, and market conditions, and is not intended to refer or to endorse any particular trading system, strategy, or recommendation. We are not responsible for trading decisions taken by anyone, especially those not intended to listen. Information is not guaranteed to be accurate. This is not an offer to buy or sell any derivative. Today is February 13th. And good morning, Andy LeBeau. Before we start, Andy, why don't you give the listeners uh, a way to uh, reach you? Good morning, Jim. And as you mentioned, you can reach us on our website at commodityresearchgroup.com. Or if you want to email me at alebeau at commodityresearchgroup.com. That's alebeau at commodityresearchgroup.com. Terrific. Um, As I mentioned, today is February 13th. And as I always mention, there's a lot going on in the world of uh, oil and energy. And um, lately in the news is uh, Venezuela. Andy, why don't we just start right there and um, give us your take? That's a good place to start, Jim. And uh, as you mentioned, there's, there's so much going on as usual in the uh, oil markets, which is why we, uh, we love following it and, uh, and talking about it. Uh, but but let's start with Venezuela because that's uh, clearly in the news. And uh, as our listeners all know, the U.S. has placed sanctions on uh, PDVSA, which will uh, effectively uh, crowd out about half a million barrels a day of uh, Venezuelan exports to the uh, to the U.S. And in fact, in uh, in last week's EIA report, it looks like uh, Venezuelan uh, imports or exports to the U.S. were down to 100,000 barrels a day, one of, one of the lowest on, on record. So the, the sanctions are certainly having, having an effect uh, on what, what we're importing. Luckily, Jim, it, it's coming at a time of turnarounds. So uh, we're really not feeling uh, all that much, we're not feeling the full effects or U.S. refiners aren't feeling the full effects of uh, the, the sanctions as of yet, and it gives them some time to uh, source other barrels. The problem, of course, is that Venezuela exports heavy crude, which is uh, very much in demand along the, uh, along the Gulf Coast. And U.S. refiners will probably be able to have well they'll definitely be able to make up the supplies but it's it's not all that easy to find the, the same amount the, the same type of uh, heavy crude they'll increase from ecuador from mexico from uh from canada and uh work out how to blend down or up some of the surplus uh, sur- some of the surplus light crude so the heavy crude is, is definitely going to be missed along the uh the u.s gulf coast and of course I was, gonna, I was about to say, I assume it's showing up in the spreads. 
it's definitely showing up in the spreads. Mars, uh, which is a, an offshore uh, medium sour type crude uh, or medium sweet crude, has gone ballistic lately. It's trading at about uh, almost 750 over uh, WTI. You know, it's, it usually trades maybe two or three dollars over uh, over WTI. Similarly, the the um, well, LLS is, is a light crude. That, that's uh, eight fifty. But I, th- I think Mars, and, and you're seeing Urals in Europe uh, also, uh, which is a heavier crude ra- rally, pretty good here in the la- in the last couple of weeks. Now, you know, I think I think the question, of course, for uh, Venezuela is who's going to take those barrels, and uh, you know, where where are they going to where are they going to place half a million barrels a day? You know, in the big scheme of things, while it's not. You know, it, it, it's not a huge amount, given that we demand 100 million barrels a day of, of crude. There's only 7 million barrels a day of this heavy crude uh, available to the world market. So, you know, we're, we've lost half a million of that 7 million. Venezuela is trying to sell it to India and uh, increase their sales to China and, uh, and Russia uh, with mixed success so far. I, I, I'm assuming. I'm assuming they are going to be able to to place those barrels or some of it, but you know, until then, uh, their storage is going to start filling up, and you know, their production is going to go down, and it's already down significantly, down to 1.1 million barrels a day. Uh, last year, uh, they started the year uh, well, 2017, they started at like 2.4 million barrels a day, so so their production has has gone, you know, has gone completely south, and it's going to continue to do so. And, you know, it doesn't look like there's going to be, we'll see how, you know, obviously these sanctions are, are aimed at, um, uh, are aimed at ending the Maduro regime. We'll see how long that goes on. But, um, you know, I, I, this is, this is going to be a factor. Uh, and it's, you know, it's not, the market has tried to shrug it off, but I, I don't think it's, it's so easily done so. Uh, very good. And is there, do we also, export crude oil to them for blending purposes? Yes, and exactly. And it's diluent, which is a light, sweet crude. Venezuela produces or used to produce their own light, sweet crude. And then that production, along with everything else, has gone into collapse. So that diluent's really important to uh, Venezuela. Um, you know, it, it can be easily made up, but they've got to pay for it. And that's, and that's a whole other story of you know, how, how their payments can flow with the they're trying to set up uh, an account, a, uh, an account uh, with the Russians. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of moving pieces there on, the, on, the Venezuelan, on Venezuela. And uh, just as a, 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 the heavy crude, getting, getting back to why it's so important, is that it's used to produce more of a, a more middle distillates in blending. And we need those middle distillates because demand for um, middle distillates is, is about to increase significantly with the IMO 2020 coming up uh, for shipping. So, you know, it, it really is very important to, to the market, particularly on, on the refinery make. Let's um, move on to um, talk about, let me set this up with talking about um, Saudi oil production, OPEC oil production uh, last year was uh, very high. And uh, it looked like uh, after the OPEC meeting, 
the market didn't believe that OPEC was going to cut back. Maybe they were just overwhelmed by the uh, November production numbers. Um, but can you just kind of tell us how that played out and, and where, where you see OPEC production going forward? OPEC has cut production. Uh, the market in December uh, was, I think, wringing its hands uh, over a lot of things, Jim. Right. You know, there, there was so much going on in that December collapse uh, down to 4250. You know, it's, it's still hard to believe, you know, we, we went down that low. And, uh, you know, particularly after OPEC had said they were going to cut production. And they, like you said, Jim, there were, there were a lot of naysayers. But, you know, if you had listened to Al-Fali, the Saudi oil minister, you know, he, he clearly said they were going down to 10.6 of December, 10.2 in January and February. And now he's saying they're going down to 9.8, you know, in, in March and April or another 400,000 barrels a day. I think, you know, at this point, we should believe him. You know, well, he's come through. It's uh, un- unlike our Fed who made a little turn in their policy you don't you don't see him you see him sticking to his guns oh yeah i mean the numbers have have borne out exactly what he said and in fact uh opec production now has uh declined from uh november number of 33 million barrels a day they're down i'm sorry 32.4 because we have to take gutter out so 32.4 they're down to 30.8 in the last opec report. So that's 1.6 million barrels a day. And they're going down another 400 at least because of Saudi. And we just discussed Venezuela. Uh, We don't know yet about, you know, where Iran's going to be, Libya, Nigeria. So there's a lot of uncertainty, you know, in terms of of OPEC production, but it, it, you know, they, they have come through. There's no, there's no doubt that the, you know, their compliance is, uh, is very strong and they may even go you know, certainly they could go below 30.4, you know, depending on, on where we get on, on some of these, uh, you know, some of the geopolitical developments. Well, I, ju- I just want to throw a little um, option stuff at you. We, we came into the year uh, up around uh, 50% vol. Now we're down around the low 30s. And so despite all that stuff you're talking about, you know, volatility, it, and volatility tends to trend uh, or be correlated with oil price. And when oil prices are going down sharply, vol goes up. And when they go, when they go up, uh, vol comes in. But, um, you know, volatility is down to like average levels. Um, you just laid out a whole bunch of things. Are we, are we basically uh, kind of crossing or, or reached a balance in the market at this point? And it's out in the future. We're going we're gonna to be out of balance. We don't know which way. That, that's a great question. And it, it does look like, you know, if you look at the, let, let's say OPEC produces 30.7 this quarter, because we've got 38 and then we're going to 30.8 and then we're going to get 34, 30, you know, 30.4, 30.5. It looks like the, the call on OPEC crude uh, is going to be right there, you know, right at like 30, 30.7, 30.8. Now, if we go into second quarter and they're at 30.4, the call's going to be high. It's going to be closer to 30.8 or 30.9 or even 31. So, you know, you, you, have a, you have a shortfall there, you know, in second and into third quarter, you know, the market looks like it's going to be um, in deficit, you know, just looking at the numbers. So, yeah, I think for the time being, it looks as though it, it's, things are balanced and maybe why, that's why the market's just trading sideways here. 
But, you know, if, if you look forward, you know, it looks, it looks short. So, excuse me. You're, I mean, the excitement in your voice tells me that you don't think that's in the market. I don't. I think that the market has, well, I, I think to a certain extent, yeah, it, it, is in, it is in the market. Obviously, we have a lot of uh, uncertainty over, you know, some of these OPEC supply numbers. I think that, you know, certainly a lot of the banks are bullish. You know, today, Goldman came out and said these OPEC cuts were uh, shock and awe, and the market was going higher, which you know what that means, Jim. Oh, boy. Gotta, <laughs> uh, let's, you, let's not get yeah. snarky here, Andy. Right, right. You gotta put, you, well, then you got to think, uh, but, you know, right. look at the balances, and it, it does look like, you know, there, there certainly could be some uh, some upside in the market. But it, 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 it it's all not, you know, it's all not bullish, you know. The, the, well, right? I'm looking. So it's keeping the market here. I'm looking at my notes and, um, I, you know, the EIA uh, came out with their monthly oil report earlier this week. And um, why don't you talk about the oil production uh, uh, forecast change they made? Right. And, there, and there's where... Um, you know, you you definitely have to make uh, have have some pause. They they increased their outlook for uh, U.S. production uh, for 2019 by like 350 thousand barrels a day. So that was a that was a you know big big increase uh, in their uh, in their expectation. It's not the one thing is it's not. Because they also, Jim, they, they also increased what they thought would be crude runs and net exports. So as a result, their view of U.S. stocks didn't change all that much. They sort mm-hmm. of balance, you know, they did a little fuzzy balancing. But right. they have uh, stocks which currently U.S. crude stocks are currently at uh, 450 million barrels. They have it going up to 485 million barrels by, actually 400, I'm sorry, 490 million barrels by May. So they, they have a big increase in uh, U.S. crude stocks between now, now and May. Now, some of that's seasonal, but some of, them, some of that's more than seasonal. And from day supply, uh, they've, got it, they've got us at 28 days versus 25 days. And I think that's, you know, there's something, and, and that's been out there, uh, but, you know, we're getting closer and closer to these, uh, to some of these stock bills. They didn't change that all that much, Jim. But Yeah, I, I like their comments. They were talking about how uh, the pipeline constraints and the Permian did not, uh, you know, moderate production growth as much as they had thought, and the wells were more product- productive in the uh, Permian Basin. So, that that uh, fracking revolution continues. I mean, engineers figure out solutions to problems. I'm amazed. I, you know, I'm, I look at these numbers and I just am amazed at what what we've seen over the last few years. Oh, it's 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 incredible. I mean, the other thing for the second half, they've got second half growing much faster than first half because as this as some of these pipelines are built, they they believe that uh, some of the drilled but uncompleted wells will go into service and that. Um, you know, that production will grow. Uh, OPEC mentions, they think, in the OPEC report, which came out, I think, Tuesday, that they think that offshore production uh, is going to grow as a couple of big projects come on. You know, they're looking for over 100,000 barrels a day growth in uh, U.S. Gulf, you know, offshore 
production contributing uh, to a growth in uh, in U.S. So this is this is sort of the you know the domestic bearish scenario because we, we also have to figure out how to get that crude to Houston and th and that will be solved probably by second half. But th then we've got to figure out how to export it, and you know the, there's some belief amongst analysts. I'm not sure I'm there uh, that you know, we're going to have trouble on, uh, on exports in, in second half. And that, that could lead to, uh, to inventory, but, you know, further, uh, further inventory builds of, of crude while diesel draws and gasoline, not, not so sure on uh, gasoline. So total stocks won't draw quite as much. It'll be a crude stock draw, total stocks, not, not so much. Um, and of course that counters the second quarter you know, there'll be a global stock draw, but U.S. stocks will, could build. And, you know, what we're seeing, and it's interesting, if you look at the spreads, the, the like the June Dece portion of, of the curve has, has widened out, or even the, you know, if you look at the April Dece has really widened out into more of a contango, while Brent has gone backward dated, you know, where the, where right. the fronts are ahead of the, ahead of the backs with, in anticipation of, uh, you know, these OPEC production cuts. So it's, it's really pretty interesting looking at, you know, looking at the different structures. And I think the numbers sort of explain what, what's happening. Well, it'll also be interesting with these uh, new contracts that are traded down in, uh, I guess, based off the of Houston price, ICE and, and the CME have new uh, dueling uh, contracts and, you know, they're, they're on the Gulf Coast. So you would think that they might start trading closer to Brent. But if, if you're saying there's a big stock build coming, you know, they might be looking more like WTI in Cushing. Right. Uh, you know, so that's just another trading vehicle for, uh, uh, for these folks to look at. Right. Um, Gulf Coast Storage, which is in, you know, uh, obviously the, um, distrib you know, the, the pipeline operators and the wholesalers have built storage. Uh, in the Gulf Coast, and then you know we might start seeing that fill up, and um, you know as you said, you might start seeing that we might start seeing more of a contango. So um, speaking of uh, the curve, I just want to bring up something that was uh, I was listening to a CME podcast on uh, implied vol, and the, and the uh, speaker was talking about uh, elevated uh, vols in the back month, and so I looked up December. I looked I looked for the at the rest of the year vols. And December um, was around 32%, which is pretty much where um, uh, the front, front month's a little lower than that. So you, you, tend, not, you tend to see a vol curve in, um, in backwardation, not, not contango or flat. And it's, it's kind of interesting because the, the May option goes, goes off on April 16th and the June goes off, you know, May 16th. So, so in between that, there's an OPEC meeting, I think, scheduled on the 18th. Right. And, then, and then you would expect, I think early June is when, uh, I'm sorry, early May is when the, um, uh, the, the president will make a decision on sanctions or waivers. It's, I think that's when that comes out. And, right. and so April, the, the May option is gone. The June option is still there. And in June, you start to see the vol pick up. I mean, that's the peak vol. Um, it's around. It's a low. It's not a big number. It's thirty-three percent. So, so absolute value is not that great. But when you compare them to the underlying futures contracts volatility, it's actual volatility. 
the premium between implied and actual grows as you go further out. So, you know, I kept thinking, well, maybe it's because seller, sellers of volatility, you know, option sellers don't want to be alive um, when these major events take place. Um, but then there's the other piece that, you know, option sellers, we know some of them blew out uh, due to the high uh, uh, natural gas volatility uh, last year. And then, you know, we had that straight move down in crude. So it's possible that there are less option sellers coming into 2019 to be just around. And, and so they're not out there selling. It's just, uh, it's, it's a kind of a strange looking uh, curve, but maybe that's what's going on. So I just wanted to uh, bring that up. And I, I put that on our blog and I put it on a uh, LinkedIn uh, uh, post as well. So you can, you can see more detail. Uh, on our on our website, you know, Jim, you you had mentioned that uh, you know maybe there's just less speculative interest in uh, in crude right now. And yeah, I, I think that could be that that could be a factor too. Yeah, I, I'd mentioned also that the um, option volumes have declined. Now, November they were up around two seventy thousand a day, which I think was a record number. So you know, in December, yeah, two seventy eight thousand. December was 161,000. So you're going into a um, you know, holiday, people closing their books. You'd expect that to come off. January is 118. Now, 118 is a very low number. Even, even going back to like 2012, uh, we averaged around, uh, I want to say, you know, 125, 130,000 a day. So it seems like we haven't, uh, there seems to be some volume missing there. And I, I, you know, based on what I just said about uh, volatility. It seems like these net option sellers are missing, and you know, that makes sense because I don't think they did well. Um, no, uh, you know, I don't. And think as for, and well, a speculator, Andy, we were just talking about this. If you looked at there was a, a commodity quilt going around where they show the returns of all the commodities, and oil just hasn't done. If if, if you're in a long only strategy, oil has just not done so well in the last few years. It's done horrendous. It's been, I think, over the what was it, the last ten years? Yeah, it's one of the worst performers. Like yes, right next to the next to last. And I, you know, I'm, I know I'm uh, sort of uh, data data mining here, picking my own range. But in the last five years, coal has performed better than from a percent standpoint than than oil. So anyway, well, we've had we've had a lot of big moves in, in the last five years, and they, and they sort right. Of, you know, yes. both like last year, you know, we had a big move up, which was expected. Yes. And then that big move down, which was clearly not expected by anybody, you know, maybe, you know, off the highs. Yeah. But, you know, down to down to the 40s. I don't think anyone was calling that fourth quarter would be the 40s. I know we were bullish on on fourth quarter and, uh, you know, we were right for like the first week of the fourth quarter. <laughs> yes. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of things. Well, um, you know, the, the thing that's also missing, you know, last year at this time, we started seeing people buying the um, $100 call in December, right? And that, that got up to be a huge option, open interest number. And then over in Brent as well, it was, you know, very heavily uh, traded. I think, I think it was over 50,000 open interest. Now you can't. There's there's nothing like that. You, the option um, open interest is, you know, you don't. Have, there's nothing over over thirty thousand, and and you know the the D uh, two thousand nineteen hundred call 
and the DEES uh, 2020 100 call are in the top 10, this WTI for open interest. And those things traded a long time ago. They were, you know, they haven't yeah. traded. Yeah. So, so there's just not, you know, I just don't see, you know, it, it's, it's a quiet market and, and uh, uh, I'm not seeing anything interesting in these, in the world of options, except for that Val thing I mentioned. You know, one one thing that I would like to talk about is is demand because it's such a, it's yes. such important. Obviously, of there's course. supply and demand, but yes. you know, I, I I think in December when the market was you know was was just collapsing, you know, with the hand wringing over OPEC not going to cut, and you know, talk about talk I, the whole macro was was un, unwinding with. Uh, you know, talk about the Fed, you know, raising rates too too fast and, you know, will choke off demand. And of course, the whole China, you know, our, our trade negotiations with uh, China, you know, I, I feel like at 42 and a half, the market was saying, hey, you know, we're, we're only going to, we're going to grow half as much as, or maybe not at all of yeah. what, you know, what the agencies, you know, the three agencies have been predicting. Um, and, Right now, you know, they're, they're not really changing their demand forecast for, for 2019. Uh, I think OPEC shaved it by 80,000 a day, and, and the IEA and the EIA didn't change it at all. Yeah, some of these analysts are talking about, um, you know, lower, lower prices are offsetting any of the shaving of the GDPs for, for the world coming up. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we talk about OPEC. The OPEC's uh, monthly report out this week has uh, – China's China's economy growing by six point one percent, so that's a that's a low number compared to where they've been. Um, so so they already have a low number built in there, and they still have that. Like you said, the demand is not their demand estimates haven't moved very much. So um, no, I think they they may they may start shaving it, you know, a little bit, but you know we're we're still going to grow pretty good over over a year ago. Again, I tend to agree with low low prices. Um, with with you know low prices helping helping demand and also petrochemical demand should be should be pretty good this year with with some new um petro petrochemical facilities coming on so you know I, I, however jim i think that that still there's a reluctance to really go long you know maybe until some of the the china trade negotiations become clearer because it seems like when the macro goes south you know, so does oil. And well, I, don't, that's a, I don't think it's justified personally because I, I think we're only talking about, you know, two, 300,000 barrels a day maybe for 2019. 2020 could be another matter. But. Well, just, just before we uh, started uh, recording, I looked up, you know, the CME has a great tool, um, correlation of, of the different futures contracts they have. And I looked up crude oil with the S&P and it's plus uh, 0.39 for the last 30 days. So that's a, that's a, it's not a, obviously it's not perfectly correlated, but that's a pretty good, um, there's something, exactly what you were saying is that when something macro uh, affects the equity markets, it, it takes crude with it. Um, and I also looked up the correlation between crude and the euro, <laughs> which is the last uh, 30 days is zero. Yeah, big surprise. The, you know, so, uh, and gold is actually, I, I said, well, maybe they're not picking it up, but gold's uh, plus 0.57 with the euro. So, yeah, I, I just, that's, I had to throw that in there as one of my pet peeves where analysts talk about the dollar moving a smidge and that's why oil is up or down, but that's, that's just me. 
And you too, I think, sometimes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess if there's nothing else to look for, you know, we, we all sort of blame the dollar, but, you know, the reality is it's, not, it's really not there unless the dollar, well, if, it's, if it makes a significant move one way or the other, you know, it, it can, and it has been, you know, it has been strengthening and maybe that's keeping a lid on the, uh, you know, lid on the market a little bit, but. I guess yeah. it's a little, a little. I mean, I, I agree with you, Jim. It's not. I, it's better. I guess it's better than the days on the floor when every every price move is blamed on Fibro. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> now you go way. I go too far back. Now yeah. You go way, way yeah. back. So um, yeah. okay. So um, now now it's um. Let's. Why don't you mention something about gasoline and diesel, and then we'll get into like looking at prices going forward for for crude for everything. Well, gasoline is, um, you know, I, I think gasoline is going to be okay. You know, I was really worried uh, that we were going to have this huge glut of, uh, of gasoline. But so far, we're not in horrendous shape in terms of day supply on gas. Uh, we're at 28.6, and the four-year average is 28.8. So that's not bad. Uh, inventories are are eight million above the four year average, which is you know a little a little long, but not not terrible. Demand actually, these lower pump prices have got gasoline demand to start the year off has been has been okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's been it's been you know much more than what the EIA had originally said. Uh, they're looking for gasoline demand to not really grow at all in 2019. Maybe we get. You know, maybe we get a little bit, like fifty to hundred. It's probably going to be fifty to hundred thousand, either way. You know, the big problem. So right now, I think gasoline is is okay. Still worried, you know, still worried about uh, you know what what the effect is going to be as we we start running for uh, for diesel. Um, you know, as diesel demand is picks up because of the IMO, and that's you know that's a whole nother podcast. And diesel. You know, diesel also is in is in good shape. 140 million is where the inventories are. The four-year average is 151. Day supply are 33 versus uh, versus 38. So the diesel, uh, I think, is you know, ref- refined products look okay. Uh, we're heading into turnarounds that that'll tighten things up. And um, you know, uh, globally, gasoline is definitely long on the other hemisphere. Uh, refining margins are not what they should be. You know, they're they're they've been soft uh, because not because you know you look at the the crude at least some of the grade spikes uh, and the loss of Venezuelan is not is not going to help uh, help refining margins and that too you know could ultimately tighten up refined products. So not 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 as bad as it could be for gasoline. I would say this look still looking uh, still looking good. Diesel still looking good. So um, let's get back to crude for a second. Going forward, we're in this trading range. What you mentioned, uh, some bullish things. Um, what's what do you? What's your view? What do you think is going to happen? Well, I, I still like the market to ultimately move higher. Uh, you know, I think WTI can get to uh, fifty-eight to sixty level uh, sometime in the in the second quarter. But you know, we have all these traps that we've talked about this whole podcast, Jim. Of course. You know, yep. we've got the, you know, what's going to happen with Venezuela, Iran, Libya. I mean, it could go the other way too. Uh, we've got the whole waivers, the OPEC. Is Russia going to cut? Uh, so there are a lot of traps ahead. 
uh, uh, and the Chinese trade talks. So, you know, maybe, why, maybe this is why, you know, the market is having a hard time getting going on the upside because, you know, the buyers are like, oh, wow, I don't, you know, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't well, go along here. There's, a, there's also, you know, Trump trying to um, influence Saudi po- uh, oil policy. You know, if the prices get too high, he might say something. And, and what we learned late last year is that Saudis, they can, they can pump oil. They can pump oil, but you know what? They increased production from 10.2 to 11 million barrels a day in November. Mm-hmm. And then they were, they were saying, the U.S. was saying we're going to get Iranian exports to zero. Saudis believe them. And, right. uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure that they're going to be uh, so anxious to increase production next time around if, if the Trump administration asks them. Very good. Um, okay, so... What, anything else you want to add to what we uh, talked about, Andy? Yeah, um, we talked about a lot of things that, that uh, can be found on our website. Jim, Jim has posted some amazingly great stuff. And uh, we urge all, all our listeners to, to go to our website, commodityresearchgroup.com. And uh, again, you can get a hold of us uh, through my email, alebo at uh, commodityresearchgroup.com dot com a l e b o w at commodityresearchgroup.com and uh, any questions i'll parcel it out to uh jim uh and also uh we are very proud that our partner ed Meir was uh, recently yes. named the number one uh base metals analyst in the world by uh metals bulletin and that that's a, an amazing amazing accomplishment by ed so congratulations to ed definitely congratulations ed Okay, thank you very much, Andy. I'll uh, talk to you next month. Okay, thanks, Jim. 